I wouldn't be the person that I am, a drag performer or like a human being without that place. I will forever love the set. It really like helped me find who I was and helped me find some of my best friends, helped me learn how to be a better performer. It taught me like what works for me, what doesn't work. I got laid there, I did blacked out there, I got drugs there. Uh, may not be in that same space anymore, but the stud is still like forever alive because stud is not a phase. Stud is what? Life. Exactly. Hi everyone, this is Vivi, AKA Micah Sigourney, and you are listening to Stud Stories. Stud Stories is a queer history podcast that focuses on the stud bar in San Francisco. Through stories about the stud, we will talk about queer history in San Francisco and the world. We talk to historians, DJs, drag queens, owners, workers, and patrons. We started this podcast when the COVID pandemic struck and we had to isolate here in San Francisco. The podcast was a chance to stay in touch with our community while also documenting the social and cultural histories of the stud bar and the queers that love it. Maybe you've never been and you're thinking to yourself, who cares about just another queer bar? To which I would say, the stud was founded in 1966. That's three years before the Stonewall riots in New York City, which fomented the gay liberation movement. It survived the AIDS epidemic and hosted some legendary performers and club nights. Today, we are speaking to a contemporary legendary performer the queen of Soma, and San Francisco's best drag queen of 2020 and forever, Nikki Jizz. Nikki has been and always will be a part of the stud fam. I hope you enjoy this conversation that we have. Hot tip, Nikki and I are throwing a pride party called Envy on Gay Pride Sunday at El Rio from 3 to 10. Roll on through tickets at the door. Hey, Stud Story listeners, here we go. I am so excited about our guest. It is my dear friend and someone I admire so much, Ms. Nikki Jizz. Hi, Nikki Jizz. Hi, Vivian Forevermore. Hi. <laughs> Nikki, what are your pronouns? How would you describe yourself? Um, my pronouns are she, her, ho. Um, and I would describe myself as, um, I'm an unapologetic hoe who's your best friend and also your husband's best friend. Shit. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm the unofficial queen of Soma, the mother of cummies, protector of the saddle dust, breaker of tops. Um, the list goes <laughs> on and on. <laughs> You're also the, what are you, the guardians, uh, drag queen of the year or best drag queen? Yes, yeah, so yeah, 48 Hills, I was voted uh, Best Drag Queen of 2020, and then my show, Reparations won Best Streaming Show. Oh, fuck, I didn't know that. We're going to get to yeah. Reparations later. Yes. Um, I, question for you, could Go you explain, it. could you ex- pretend that I'm, it's probably not hard, but just pretend that I'm stupid. <laughs> 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 All right, let me try. Or rather, pretend that I just am uh, more ignorant, that's the word I want to say. Nikki, could you pretend I'm ignorant? (laughs) That's going to be a tough one, but let's do it. Okay. When you say ho, what do you mean? Um, What I mean ho is that, um, with ho, I believe that it's sexual freedom, sex positivity, um, very, um, if you have needs, go for it. And if you want to make other people's needs get met, go for it. Um, I think it's about satisfaction, um, yeah, and pleasure, and that can be taken in a sexual way or in a emotional, mental way. Um, like you can be a mental hoe, 
who's like just mind fucking everybody. Or you could be, <laughs> you know, or you can be an emotional girl who's like, you know, that emotional girlfriend experience who like gives you that moment and gives you a fantasy. And is it like specifically tied to, because like when you say ho, I think of the word hooker more than I think of the word slut. And hooker is like a sex worker. Like, do you mean like sex workers or do you just mean like sluttiness and like availability? Like what's your... Well, I don't like the term sex workers. I like sex artists. Work. Um, <laughs> sex artists. Um, I prefer sex artists. I think it's it just has a better ring to it. Um, sure. But sex workers, sex artists, um, it could be... Yeah, I think more of like... I mean, I took money here and there, but it was more of like I did it for... Usually I had to pay them. <laughs> Usually it was my Uber driver and I had to give them money. <laughs> but, you know... Yeah, I, I know a lot of people think about hooker and that's like, uh, it involves money and it can involve that as well. But I think, you know, it could just be like, I'm just trying to get a nut. I come first. Literally. Right. So tell me about your drag journey and where you started. Um, okay, so my very first drag performance technically was at a work party. Um, at my day job, Amoeba Music, we do this giant uh, work you know, get together. We call it Amoeba Palooza, where people like, it's a record store, so a lot of people have bands, so they get their bands together and we just, it's a work party and everyone performs, people do stand up, spoken word, whatever. And I decided to do a drag number. And this was after like had going to Uncharlie's and High Fantasy for time. And I was like, I'm gonna do a drag number and Beyonce's self-titled album had just came out. And I did an eight-minute Beyonce medley at my work party at Brick and Mortar. I did an eight-minute... I was ambitious. But also, I all I had on was some blush, maybe a little bit of eyeliner, a lipstick. I didn't even shave my, like, upper lip. Um, and a shake-and-go wig. And, yeah, that was my very first performance. Um, and then my first booking was at High Fantasy, maybe, like, a week or two later. Mm. And the first song I did was actually my opening number was Milkshake by Khalees. Makes and sense. Then, and then uh, my second number was uh, Freakum Dress by Beyonce, which is forever my favorite now. Like, so how do you go from, I'm not saying that like you can only listen to one type of music at all, but like you were giving, you were giving me like as a patron, like, like a little bit more post goth rock and roll kind of person and then you're yeah. and then on stage you're giving us like kind of like like pop pop yeah i think i i listen to um, so many different types of music styles like my range changes i mean that's why i worked at a record store because my music was like all over the place and when i started doing drag i was like i what kind of drag queen did i want to be and i was like i want to do like i love dancing i wanted to do that and i was like can't really like really twerk and dance to Nine Inch Nails. I mean, you can. You can twerk to anything. I've twerked to uh, Mozart. But, you know, I just, I wanted to go full on woman first. And uh, even though like Nine Inch Nails is my favorite, there's some music that's like your favorite music, but it doesn't really translate to drag really well. Like I love Fiona Apple. I love for Fiona Apple, but like Fiona Apple isn't like a crowd pleaser really, kind of like, I mean, it is to like weird faggots like me, but like, you know, right. there's not something you want to hear on a Saturday night at midnight when you're like nice and drunk. So you just said that like 
you know, like picking a song, what's going to get the crowd going? Like, how do you pick your songs? I'm always curious about how a drag queen goes about like conceiving of a number or picking a song. I have different processes for it. Um, it's a, a lot of the time I, it's based off of lyrics and I have a really wild imagination. So when I listen to lyrics, I'm like, okay, what can I make this into? And like, also, how can I twist it? You want to give it that drag sense of humor where it's like, oh, you think I'm talking about this, but it's actually this something that's so far fetched that makes very little sense, but it's hilarious kind of thing. Um, so sometimes it's like, oh, I want to do something that's like funny and campy. And then sometimes I'm like, I just want to be a little slut and be all nasty on the stage. Or sometimes if I have an idea, I try to find a song that matches that. You know, if I want to do a Gollum number, I want to do something that's based around rings or things like that. So I, I find songs that actually can look up for that. So it's a lot of Googling, a lot of research. Uh, also, it's like, you gotta, I, someone told me this once, it was like, when you're doing a drag number, like a song, have it be something that and like makes you happy, that connects with you, that makes you like feel something because then you'll show that more when you're performing it. So you're saying there's like two ways that you come across. There's like, it's, sometimes it starts with the music, but sometimes it starts with the idea and then you have to find the music that fits. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah some, it goes back and forth. It all depends on it. Or sometimes you're just given a song and you have to do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, usually I like, I try to come with a concept and then try to find a song or sometimes I'm like just listening to the music and the words and then an idea pops on there. Sure. And then I try to flush it out as much as I can. Like you said, you're the unofficial queen of Soma and that's, I would agree with that. You're like, a, you're such an entertainer. Oh, like you. you. <laughs> Imagine if I was like, you're such a drag queen and not an entertainer. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, wow, you're such I a mean, liar. <laughs> I mean, there are some people we can both think of who are such drag queens and certainly not entertainers. That is very true. <laughs> um, but, like, you are an entertainer. And, like, so, like, you just brought up this idea of, like, the Gollum. Like, if I was doing a Gollum number, then I would do think of a song that has rings in it. And I've seen you do this Gollum number. And Nikki Jizz is known to be kind of, like, a, a, as you say, a hoe and, like, shows body, shows body, gives, like, lots of, like, like ass drops, does kicks, is all over the place. And then you pull out a number where you were golem from, from, I almost said Sex in the City. I don't know why. <laughs> oh my God. Imagine if they just, instead of bringing Kim Cattrall back for the new Sex in the City, they just, it's Gollum. I would watch that. Honestly. I would watch that in a second. In a second. That'd be so good. That oh, yeah. would be, like, what would her problem be, though? Like, would she just mm. be like, I can never have it. You know what I mean? He's like, mm, precious hole. Precious oh. hole. I don't know. Who knows? But, like, I... never gets it because it's too desperate. And, and, yeah. Like, and they go get, like, they did get makeovers and they, like, style golems oh, three hairs into, like, some bouffant. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, okay, well, I might have a new number. Here we go. Girl, um, if you need a, if you need a, if you need like a, a Carrie Bradshaw for that, uh, you know, hire me up. Um, oh, I was thinking more of a Miranda for you, but sure. <laughs> Weirdly, the other day, someone told me that I was a Miranda, so I think I'll take it. Yeah, I'll okay. just take it. <laughs> um, but like, so you are like such an entertainer, and, and I wanted to ask you, what's your take on the audience? Like, what do you think about with regards to? How much do you think about the audience? How much is pleasing them important to you? Like, all of that. 
Um, it's really important um, because they pay my bills. <laughs> um, but also, I, I love the validation. So, like, the, the crowd is very important um, as a performer because you rely on them for... Um, so much you rely on them for, I mean, obviously for tips and for, like, you know, validation from applause and, uh, you know, videos and whatever it may be. But also, like, you rely on the crowd because they also give you feedback. Like, they give you feedback whether they say it or not. Like, you can see their faces. If, like, you're, what you're doing is something that is, like, turning them on and giving it to them. So, like, those are things that, like, are very important where it's, like, you know, the audience is important. Uh, I always try to think, like, what will be the gag? Like, what would I want to see? And and also I realize, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I have a really dark sense of humor and some people don't get that. But also, it's my show. And I can sacrifice sometimes, like, pleasing the audience to make myself happy with my artistry or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I mean, the audience is important, like, Actually, the first time I ever did the ass drop was at uh, Monster Show at the Edge. And if you've ever performed at that show, you know, sometimes the audience does not give a fuck. They don't pay attention at all. Um, so I was performing and they were like not giving me the time of day, really. And I remember I was like, what can I do to like get their attention right now? And I walked to the edge of that stage. I mean, stage is very loosely, but I walked, <laughs> I walked to the end of that platform and I just did the ass drop and I got all their attention. And everyone was like, what the fuck? And then I was like, all right. So I see this is something that works. So as you know, this isn't a visual medium. Can you tell me what an ass drop is? Okay, so an ass drop is... Um, God, how do I explain this? So pretty much it, I walk to the edge of a like a stage or a platform or whatever it may be. And I jump in the air. I probably get like maybe like four. I mean, from already what height I'm at, I get maybe like three to four feet up in the air. And then I land by just sitting. So I jump up and then I get in a sitting position and then I land in the sitting position with my feet over the edge of the stage so it's just like an ass plat i just like jump and sit down um yeah how's your back um it's been better um, <laughs> it's been better um actually some days it's i've learned how to do it over time i've always always had a bad back so it's like fuck it whatever but over time i've learned how to do it sometimes i would try to do it and if I'm too high or too low to the ground, my I don't have time to turn, so I'll land on my tailbone. But so I've learned on like which, what places I can and can't do it. Um, so I've gotten better at it. I'm a little rusty since quarantine, but um, I'm actually I might start padding, so it might make it easier. <laughs> oh my god! Start padding. Yeah, um, I might become a real drag queen. <laughs> I mean, we've been waiting for it. We've all been waiting for it. I know. It's over, y'all. <laughs> okay. Name. Where's the name from, Nikki Jizz? Okay, so the first time I ever used that name was for a Peaches Christ showgirls show at the Castro Theater. And if you've ever been there, when you buy a large popcorn, uh, Peaches has people who volunteer to give lap dances to anyone who buys a large popcorn. And I signed up for it because Showgirls is one of my favorite movies. And I love giving lap dances and selling wallets. Um, so, and when you fill it out, they say, what's your stage name? And I was like, 
I don't have a stage name. I don't, I, this is way before drag. This is maybe like two years before I ever did drag. Oh, this so, wasn't even a drag. Nope, I, did, I did, wasn't even drag. I didn't have a stage name. Um, and I was like, what do I go by? And my, I have a straight coworker who's like this really hot, like skinhead bro that I work with. And he good was like, he's good a good skinhead. Skin. He's a good skinhead. There are bad ones and there's a good one. He's like, he's a good one. He's like vegan and hot, a big dick. Um, anyways, I, I uh, digress. Anyways, he was like, what about Nikki Jizz? And I was like, okay. I was like, sure. And then I used that name and that's how it started. And I didn't start drag until I go-go dance with it after that. And then I didn't start drag until like maybe about a year, a year and a half later. And then mm. I just I just used the name. Has the name ever stopped you from getting a gig or anything? Um, it's definitely I've had some people who were like, Oh, I would have booked you for my corporate gig, but you know, the name doesn't really work. And I it probably has stopped in other places where people probably haven't reached out but some people have said like oh like i can't do it and i'm like you can just i have backup names because i'm like you you can go by nikki j you can go by i even thought about going by nikki nothing more uh after my uh, drag mother ronnie so i thought about doing like that or and i'll just go by nikki but yeah usually a lot of times it's nikki j is what i have what i have to do right yeah um, let's talk about how his life. Yeah. Okay. So, Nikki just is born. She kind of takes the world by storm. Everyone loves her. She, she's like not the best at her eyebrows, but she's really, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving you shit. But, you know, like, like I described you at first, like when you were a patron at, and Charlie's, you were always just the funnest, like the funnest, nicest patron. So like once you became a queen, of course everyone wants to work with you. You're a sweetheart. You're so fucking funny. Sure, I'm not, and I'm not just like blowing smoke up her ass, but like, like yeah. you know, you're great. You're re- so you're, you're reading, yeah, you're reading the script. It says she was so, so nice, she was so yes. beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> um, nice, beautiful. Um, it says that she's clever, but I don't. I'm, I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> and this is like in your own words. So, um, <laughs> oh so God. you are like in my own words, uh, but like, so you've been doing drag, and then you start a party. What's what's up? Why? What's going on? Um, so two, me and my two drag sisters, Pepto Dismal and Fieta, we were always hanging around. We were always those hoes. We were in the back of Powerhouse, uh, working hard on our knees all the time. Like, we were those girls. We were just a bunch of hoes. And we were like, we wanted to do our own thing. Just like every new queen who wants to throw a party, we had that idea. And we were like, we can do this. And we wanted to do something that was different because there weren't really, like, many sex-positive drag shows like everyone says they're sex positive but like no shows are really like very much so that and our show was going to be something that was exactly like going to be you know over the top unapologetically ho um so we started that party and i think we we had our first night in may of 2015 or 2016 i believe yeah 2016 2016 was our very first show at el rio um, and it was a really fucking great show and, uh, it was, yeah, it was such a blast to like start that off and we just, yeah, we wanted to do something that was different and, you know, that was fun and, you know, like most of the people in our collective for Hose Life was, you know, POC. So it was very like, very POC driven, giving back to the community, sex workers, sex artists, I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, that was how Hose Life started and... 
you know, we did that party for, I don't know, yeah, I mean, until now, you know, until quarantine. Um, but it had themes. It had themes each time. Yep. Yeah, so we did, well, in the very first ones, we just did Ho is Life, like plain. But then we started doing themes and where we started making it Ho is whatever. So um, it would be like, um, Ho is... Ho is Disney. Um, Ho is Hogwarts, which was our Harry Potter theme one, which was one of my favorites. Ho is Death. Ho is Femme Fatale, um, where we did an all AFAB uh, lineup. We've done Ho is Quinceanera. I don't know. There's been so many of them. I can't even remember them all. But we just like, Ho is whatever the idea is. We did that. Oh, Ho is Straight Pride. When we did the Straight Pride parody at the stud, that was epically amazing. And like the phrase Ho is Life, comes from what? So it came from a meme, actually. So there's a meme of the, like this girl in a hospital gown, like in the hospital, and she's like taking a little selfie of herself, like being all like sexy and like taking a little thirst trap, but she's in the hospital gown. And it's like, but we like when you're on your deathbed, but ho is life. And I was, and we saw that, we were like, that's fucking hilarious. And I think that originally the name came from a group chat we were in. So we were in a group chat called Ho is Life, and then we were, we're like, well, let's name the party this. So I think we technically owe that name to Cal Medio. I think who came up with it. And you always say, ho is not a phase. Ho is not a phase. Ho is life. Yes. Because <laughs> everyone's got, everyone's got a little ho in them. Your mama had a little ho. Your grandma got a little ho. How you it's think how you, you got, got here. It's how you got here. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> What about the stud? I feel like, you know, rather this, you know, this podcast is usually about stud history. And yeah. and I think of you as being a particular part of like, not just like stud recent history, but stud present history. Like in 10 years, we're going to look back and we'll be like, oh, you mean when Nikki Jizz was ruling Soma? We're currently living our present history. And so just when did you start coming to the stud? Why the stud? Like, what about it? Okay, well, I just want to fix you right there. In 10 years, it's not going to be Nikki Jizz was. It'll be like, 10 years, Nikki Jizz is still running Soma. It'll be, um, oh, no, no, wait, you said it wrong. You said it wrong, too. It's going to be, yeah, yeah. oh, Nikki Jizz is still running Soma. <laughs> exactly. Uh, like, deep, uh, oh. oh, my God. Um, but what was my first time at the stud? Yeah. Um... So before I, I would go to the stud, uh, I think the first time I ever went as a patron, I think it was for Club Something, for sure. I went on Friday for Club Something. I can't remember what show it was, because I definitely had a few cocktails and shots. But um, I my very first show for, definitely was uh, Club Something there. Because before I would go to Uncharlie's, and someone was like, you should check out the stud. And then me and my friend went. And I was like, and I was just getting used to, like, going out to queer spaces from after moving from LA um, a few years before. So I was like, okay. And then we went for that. And I was like, I fucking love this. This is like, and I was like, cause I, all I knew for drag was really high fantasy. And I was like, okay, this is a whole different level. Um, and well, wait, so t- tell me what is high fantasy? Like what are, when you say high fantasy, what do you mean? Like what's the drag there? Um, so high fantasy is, uh, or was a club night at Uncharlie's lounge in the TL um iconic place and high fantasy was a night that was run by gj miles cooper and that was actually where i did my first booking and uh the drag there is it's i mean it's great drag it's very uh i want to say like it's very girl next door kind of drag if that makes sense 
Um, so, it, do- it doesn't, but I, I can't wait to use it as maybe an insult or a compliment. It's, it's, <laughs> no, where it's like, you know, like, oh, she's pretty. She's the next girl, girl next door pretty, where it's right. more of like, you know, it's more of the outskirts of, like, it doesn't have a stage. And right. it's a dark, small little club where everyone just performs. And yeah. it was a tip spot. So, like, you would go there and, like, so it wasn't, like, a paid gig. Where, where I just feel like when you get closer, then it's like, oh, like, when you're on a stage, then that's, like, then that's, like, a movie star. Then it's a model yeah. or things like that. I, yeah. I don't know if that made sense in my head, but. No, no, I know what you mean. And also, like, Aunt Charlie's had, uh, you kind of just do anything there because it was so small. Like, people just did, like, the, kind of the weirdest stuff you would never actually try to do on a big stage. Yes. So it had this, like, I know what you mean by Girl Next Door. It's kind of like, oh, you just walked in here and did a number, didn't you? Like, were yeah. you even booked? Like that. Yeah, and some, I mean, sometimes the numbers were, like, fucking phenomenal, and, like, I oh my God. loved it, and that's why I love it. And But it was, I mean, it was a tip spot, so it was very, like, you know, an up-and-coming place to start your drag. Yeah. And that's what it was for me. And when I was performing at High Fantasy, I loved it, and it was, like, my home. Every Tuesday, I would be there. and But I knew that I wanted to be on the stud stage. After going to Club Something, I was like, I want to be there. Right, and so then tell me, tell me, like, what's the club, when you were at Club Something, like, what did you see that? What was the, what was the difference? Um, well, it was like, well, there was a stage, so, and lights that weren't uh, red lights. Because <laughs> um, red lighting is not uh, kind to drag queens, especially not black drag queens. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, wow, I want to be on the stage. This is, like, some of the, like, these are some of the best drag queens in the city that I'm seeing right now, and I want to be on the stage with these people. I want to be in the same company as them. And I remember just being there and loving the atmosphere of it. Um, I remember getting yelled at uh, by uh, Bernie uh, for being in her well. And yes. someone, someone was like, she's going to tell you to move in a... I think it might have been you, actually. I think I was right there. And I was like, you were like, she's going to tell you to move in a second. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then five seconds later, hey, honey, move, move. And I was like... <gasps> and then now I do that to young gays when they come. I'm like... She's going to tell you to move in a second. You might as well just move now. And then they were like, I was like, I told you. It's a rite of, pa- it's a rite of passage to have, like, Bernie tell you to get out of her well. Well, um, and also, like, to have, like, a, a, a drag queen be like, just so you know, she's going to tell you to move. That means that you're, now you're at the club. Exactly. Like, here you are. Like, you thought it was when you walked through that door. No, 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 no. It's when Nikki just turns to you and is like, oh, just so you know, get out of her well. I'm like, she's going to tell you this. Like, it's happened to us all. Uh, but, yeah, going to the stud was, like, I was, like, wow, this is, like, and also it was a way bigger space, and I was, like, I like this, it's queer people here, and, like, you know, bigger, crazier drag numbers, and the, there were, the themes were so wild and over the top, and I loved it. So that was something that really drew me, because I was, like, I want to get more creative and work within the theme and have my mind go crazy with that. That's awesome. And why do you like the stud now? <laughs> Um, I wouldn't be the person that I am, like, a drag performer or, like, a human being without that place. Like, I will forever love the set. Um, I love the building at 3999 Street. Actually, this is a little thing. Every time I drive into the city and I get in from, like, if I'm driving from Oakland, I still drive by and, like, and stop at the stud like i've gone there and like had a cigarette and just like sit outside uh, because i just miss the place so much oh my god i'm gonna cry um, okay. yeah i i miss it so much so i like i still go by and like i miss that space and it really like helped me 
find who I was and help me find some of my best friends, help me learn how to be a better performer. Um, it told me like, it taught me like what works for me, what doesn't work. Uh, I learned from other people. Um, I got laid there. I did blacked out there. I got drugs there. Um, you know, and I, I don't know. It's just, I love, yeah, you know, and it may not be in that same space anymore, but because, but the stud is still like forever alive because the stud is not a phase. Stud is what? Life. Exactly. Nikki is, I just have to say, no one can see this, and you're doing a really good job of covering it up like you do currently with your eyebrows, um, which is that you're crying. Right now you're crying. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I, I also have tears in my eyes. Um, yeah. Nikki, there's this other thing that you did at the stud that I think you got pretty famous for, but I, like, before I ask you about it, I, want, I'm, I simply must remind everyone that I invented this. What? Yes, I invented this and you made it famous. I just, like, need people to know. (laughs) Oh, my God. That I I invented the gag, but then you were just better and gooder at it. So, like, Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I don't know. I, I didn't know you invented anything. Or t- oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I mean, bes- besides inventing emceeing and lip syncing, I also invented... <laughs> I think I invented, but there was this pole at the stud that I th- was not meant for a human being. I don't oh, know no. what it was for, but it was above the stage and it was hidden by like kind of like a, an architectural beam. Yes. And I remember like... Way back at a club something, I used it for doing chandelier, and I did, like, pull-ups on it. Uh-huh. And actually, during that number, I crowd-surfed to another part of the bar where there was, like, a, like a projector mount that had been left, and then I did pull-ups over there, too, which uh-huh. was, like, very, very dangerous, very bad idea. But... Then you also discovered the poll. I don't know. I don't know the real timeline. I don't know if I invented it. But. Well, um, that might, that may or may not. Okay, fine. Baby. <laughs> okay, baby. I will be honest with you. I will be honest with our listeners. I came up with it and you found, did it. I'm just kidding. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I'll be honest. I did see you do the bar first. Yes. You did it first. And I was like, ooh, that'd be interesting. And I was like, fuck it, maybe I'm going to hop up there. And I, I think the very first time I ever did it was me and the Spice Queers did a whole night at Club something. I think it was Ho with Spice, or no, not Ho Club Spice Queers or something. And I, it was my, like, solo part in their number. And I hopped up there and swung up from it for the first time. Um, and I was like, I saw the crowd go crazy. I was like, oh, Vivi, Vivi over here trying to work out. Vivi's trying to save on a gym membership and do her pull-ups <laughs> and shit. I'm over here just trying to, like, make some coins and, uh, spread some, uh, bussy juice all over everyone. Okay. Um, oh, okay, wait, you're making it sound, you're making it sound like I'm out here being boring. What it was, was that I knew that if I swung on that thing long enough, eventually I was going to fly off that thing when it <laughs> fell out of the ceiling. Meanwhile, yeah. you were unwise enough to <laughs> to give it your yeah. whole weight. It was, it was so much fun. I would hop up on that thing and just swing, like full-on swinging back and forth. And... And then I would, my favorite was doing the dismount, was where I, like, I'm swinging, going back and forth over the crowd, 
And then I would just swing towards the back and just like land. And like, I, I definitely put a little extra dent in that uh, stage from doing that. And it was, I love doing it. Once fucking Queen, once we did, when we did the Solange night, Queen rigged a fucking swing set on that bar. And Queen is not a petite woman at all. No. Queen was swinging on it and literally like going back and forth. And I'm just like watching and I'm like, we're about to lose it all. It's about, I was like, I told her, I was like, girl, don't break my bar. That is half my money right there. <laughs> swinging from that fucking bar. Um... And I've, I've told you guys, when we get the new stud, it needs to have a bar. I have to have the bar. I'll oh, come and I, rig it up. I, I mean, I'll come rig it up. Well, and also, we'll know now. We will know now that it will. we could actually not be scared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, know, I, I was Girl, never the first terrified. Time I, the first time I saw you swing on it, I was like, oh, no, is it going to fly out of the seat? Like, we can't lose Nikki Jizz. Not now. <laughs> She just got here. Um, okay, one night I reached up for it and I totally missed it. It was like after the show had ended and it was like, I was just doing another pop-up number and like the crowd was leaving and it was like a few people there and I tried to like hop and get on the bar. I was definitely drunk and I missed, I ran and hopped and missed it and literally just flew into the crowd. And oh, then yeah. I, but then I did a tumble, tumble roll and I'm a professional. I whipped my hair and I was like, uh, uh, and then I like hobbled up. I was like, Mary, help me. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I did when everyone like turned around, I was like, oh my God, help me. I'm, I'm dying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, was, yeah. new also needs better um has needs a, a stronger <laughs> insurance coverage for our performers. Yes. oh my god um, that was so well, much fun what is okay here we go are you ready for my barbara walters of it all oh god here we go like what were you what was pre-nikki jizz Nick, nikki like what was your life before um, I mean, pre-drag, like, I, I mean, I, I'm originally from Los Angeles, and I moved up here in 20, uh, 2009, and I, I don't know, like, when I was in LA, things were a lot different, obviously, like, I, I lived in Inglewood, but I got, since middle school, I was bussed out into a rich white suburb, so I lived in the hood, but went to school with, like, rich white celebrity kids and things like that. Um, so it was like a, definitely a culture shock for me when I was growing up. And then, you know, I, I, most of my friends lived out in those areas. So I spent a lot of time like in like the Palisade, Santa Monica and like rich and nice neighborhoods. Like, but I was like the little black poor kid. And so, you know, I was always, it was really like hard, but also like something I deal with. And I look back now, I was like, oh, I probably dealt with a lot of microaggressions, but you know, I was a kid and I didn't think of it. Um, but I mean, I was, I was a little bit of a wild child when I was in high school. Um, I might have done, got wild and partied a little too much and did a lot of drugs. But I'm glad I got my drug phase out of the way when I was younger. Um, so I, you know, I dabbled around, but I got myself together. Um, and I just, I was, I don't know. I guess I've always been a very social person. Um, you know, I always put my friends first and like tried to take care of everyone. Um, I've always been very like loyal and try to be thoughtful for other people's feelings. And that's kind of like how I was like, I was a little wild party kid before I moved up here. And then when I did move up here, I moved in with my two best friends from high school and they were like two straight girls. So I, 
pretty much I would go to like a lot of straight house like college parties and I'd be like the token gay there and then I'd hook up with like the drunk straight boys and uh and then every once in a while the like my straight bros like I have my set of bros and they'd be like hey dude I got a guy for you over here and they just like they would just find any gay guy and they'd be like any gay guy they're like oh I got a guy for you I'm like I'm like it doesn't work like that <laughs> just like just because he's gay doesn't mean it work I mean I hooked up with them but like just because I told them, but just because he's gay doesn't mean that's how it works. Right, um, exactly. But yeah, I was, I guess I was still like outgoing and, um, but I probably really didn't, I wasn't living to my full potential at the time. Yeah. And what brought you to the Bay Area? Um, well, I was doing community college in Los Angeles and I was like, my two best friends had moved up here and I was coming up to SF every once in a while to like come and visit them over like two years and then I was like well if I'm doing community college and SF I can do that anywhere like it's not like you know you can do community college anywhere it's the same old shit so I was like you know what fuck that and I was like I'm gonna move to SF get out of LA strike out on my own and that was it I was just like fuck it I'm gonna do it and I, I fell in love with San Francisco within the first time I came to visit and it took me two years to finally move out oh I didn't know that yeah I really didn't know that um, uh, I just fucking adore you. Okay, uh, so oh. we Tara cut that. It's not good. It's not good <laughs> podcast content. <laughs> okay, we all know you as like a, a hoe. Like we all know Nikki Jizz hoe's life, yeah, etc. Um, but like I was watching you perform, I think two years ago at an event called Summer Camp that happens in Guerinville that's produced by Glamamore. That is a full weekend of drag, and it's it's a weekend for drag queens, drag performers, drag fans, and weirdos. Like, let's be honest, it's not a it's not yes. for your circuit party. It is not for your muscle no. queens. You, if you all do come, you will behave in the way that we do, which is extra weird. Um, yes, <laughs> very. But so. you you did this cat's number, <laughs> which was like at one point. I don't remember what you were lip-syncing. I think you were lip-syncing a song from Cats, but then at one point, like, a laser pointer went off, and you just, like, ran around the stage trying to catch the laser pointer. And a colleague, a colleague, a contemporary of ours, Mary Vice, turns to me, and she says, you know Nikki Jizz is the number one comedy queen in San Francisco, right? <laughs> and I was like, wait, wow. what? Yeah, Mary Vice says this. Oh, and my God. You do... There's so many sides to what you do, and... I guess, like, the question in there is, like, how do I want to say... I don't know how to say this question. Like, you are, like, fierce, and you, like... Uh, what I remember, there's, like... When you first started, I was, like, there's the Nikki Jizz, like, drop and jump, where you would just go into a deep squat and then, like, jump up and put your legs out in, like, a, like, strong V. Like, uh, that yeah. was, like... I was, like, oh, she's going to drop, she's going to drop, she's going to... Oh, she's gonna, like, something's going to happen. Um, yeah. But then, at one point, you did Golem from Lord of the Rings and Sex in the City. Also, now coming yes. out, Sex in the City with Golem. Um, <laughs> like, do you get nervous to do these weird numbers? Like, um, no, I think I, I may, maybe in the very beginning, I might have gotten a little nervous. But I get nervous when I go on stage. If it's a big idea that I've been working on, I get nervous. But if it's mm. just like I'm going out there and doing a Beyonce number and just give you a performance, I usually don't get so nervous about that. But when it's, like, something I've worked on and, like, I'm nervous about how it might come out, um, yeah, I, I do get a little anxious about it. Um, but, like, doing something, like, that weird, I was like, I have a weird sense of humor and I want to show more of that. 
And also I realized like I was falling in, I realized like, yeah, you can be sexy, but also I love like this campy, ridiculous part of drag. Yeah. Like it's a part of like life that, you know, you can't really do that in many other aspects of art, like, and really yeah. show it in the same way. Um, and it's just like, I don't know, it's fun. And I like, I just, I, I have fun doing it and I see people else of everyone else having fun with it. So like, it just makes me like more inspired to like keep going with it. And right. yeah, I've done like some fucking ridiculous numbers. Like, I mean, the Gollum one is probably the most like, there's so many journeys in that one. And then I've done even more journeys since quarantine because I have a green screen so I can like do whatever this fucking crazy mind comes up with. Right. And I think it, what I noticed about you is that like you bring to the stage as an entertainer, like a lot of ener energy and like generosity, like you are giving shows. I've seen you even on like a day where you're like maybe over it or maybe not. Like, you know, I've seen you perform in all these different ways in the same way that you give shows as doing Beyonce, you bring that same kind of attention and, and energy to Gollum. Yeah. If that well, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, when I'm on stage, I come to life and that is like where I feel the most alive. Um, that's why like quarantine was like really rough for me because like I'm not on stage. I don't get to see people's faces. But like when I'm on stage, that is like where I feel the most comfortable and alive and real, um, especially after a shot. I feel really alive. Um, but that's like what does it for me. And, you know, when I'm on stage, like I see people's faces, the lights hit and I'm like, all right, it's now or never. Never. And just now like, our neighbor. Now our neighbor. Um, uh, it's a it's a different version of uh, lifesavers. Now neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> now neighbors. <laughs> but I I don't know. I love being on stage. It just makes me. It feels good. And like, I can be. Yeah, I'll be going through it on the day. But once I'm on stage, I do it, and then I feel better. Like, it's worth it. Did you perform before? Like when you were in high school, did you perform? No, I never did. I was not a theater gay. I don't do that theater shit. No, man. Um, I I mean, the most I ever did was I watched uh, Barbara Streisand's Broadway show uh, because my mom made me a faggot because of watching that. But, uh... What no, Broadway I, show? Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? It's, uh... I, I actually watched a lot of Barbara Streisand as a kid. Like, a lot of... I watched Funny Girl, Hello, Dolly. My mom loved Barbara Streisand. But she does a one-woman show on Broadway oh. uh, where she does, like, a medley of all her stuff. And I I still remember that vividly watching it on uh, VHS. Um, no, I never really... I guess I w as a kid, um, we had a really big family. Um, like, my grandmother had six kids, and each of those kids had, like, you know, three, four kids or whatever. Um, so I grew up in a big family, so we always had family events and I was always like the little family entertainment. So like I would dance and like move around and be entertaining for family members. And my mom would be like, Nick, come dance for everybody. And like, I would do that kind of stuff. And me and my cousin would work on dances and like little talent shows. But in, as, oh, oh my God, I almost forgot about this. In middle school, I was in show choir I, I hate talking about this, but I forgot about this. I tried to block it out, but I was in show choir. And if you don't know what show choir is, show choir is pretty much glee. It is glee. I had to wear a neon green bow tie and a cummerbund. Like it is 
one day I'll show you the videos I have on But my it has, like, choreo, right? Like, the <clears throat> choreography. Yep, we did a little choreo. It, like, da 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 It was very, like, show tunes, like, kind of stuff. So it was very... I guess that is very theater. But, um, yeah, we used to do... I still remember the Christmas uh, routine. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell hop. Jingle bell swing. It's a kick, uh, kick change, kick change. Dancing and prancing, da, 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 in the frosty air. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, so I was in show choir for three years. No, I was okay. in two years. Um, I was in sixth grade chorus and then two years of show choir, seventh and eighth grade. Um, so so I wait, did why did you stop? Why did you stop show choir? Well, I graduated. I went to oh. high school eventually. <laughs> I graduated. Uh, so I went to oh. high school. Congratulations. I yes. know it's a little late, but congratulations yeah. on your graduation. Thank you. Thank you. I made it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I was in show choir for like two years and it was, yeah, it was fucking gay. There's no guy, there's maybe, I think there was only one guy in there who is like still straight. Um, I think everyone, all the other guys were like full on faggots, like for sure. Um, okay. Speaking of full on faggots, there's this like, at least in when I was growing, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little older than you, but like in the nightlife generation, <laughs> <laughs> but also like in the nightlife generation too, like I was, I started drag before you. And so like, you know, the people who are the people you watch are above you a little, or like a little, a different generation. And, um, I remember going up and like all the drag queens always had stories of having sex with cab drivers. Right. Like, and it was this <laughs> sort of. It was sort of this thing of, like, you could get a free ride, maybe, but you could also get to have sex right after a gate. Like, I don't know about you, but after I perform, I am, like, let, let's do... Like, I have the... Like, my whole, like, body and energy and mind and everything is turned on, and I'm just, like, ready for it. Yeah. And so there's always these stories, especially, like, when, you know, taxi cabs were a thing, of a drag queen having sex on the DL, giving blowjobs to drivers. And I think also for the drivers... They were like, oh, that horrible, desperate freak of nature will probably give me head. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? I had, I, as an example, just a brief one. This isn't a cab driver, but I was walking to the stud once from my house uh, for club something. And I had a full face, like full on beat, full makeup, lashes, everything, wearing like a hoodie, pulling a carrying case. And this man walks up on me and I was like, what? Like, you know, ready to, like, hit him. So I was like, oh, no, this is this is, this is is now when I get hit in the face for being a drag queen. Yeah. And he was just like, yo, can I get your number? And I was like, what? And he was like, can I, can I get your number? Do you want to, like, have sex? And I was like, oh, he's on the down low, and he knows that if I look like this, I'm definitely gay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's no question about it, like... <laughs> And you know what I mean? And I'm probably not going to out him because look at how desperate and horrible I am as a gender variant. <laughs> as a giraffe. Oh, my God. But you... Um, what? So how, how many Uber drivers have you blown? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. Um, because I, you can't count that high or what? I've, I have a five-star rating because I am a very good quiet, conscientious passenger and who <laughs> might leave some lip on a dick every once in a while. Uh, okay, so, all right. I don't know how many I've actually hooked up with, but it's a lot. 
You, just, um, you know people not, are going to listen to this, right? Yeah, it's fine. I've talked about it okay. a bunch of times. Okay, I know. So, I just want to mention sure. Yeah. All right, this y'all, is going just, on iTunes. This I is going to be on iTunes. Oh, my God. Hey, Mom, please don't listen to this part right here. Um, um, okay, so, yeah, I hooked up with a few Uber drivers. Okay, I did it. All right, sue me. Um, please don't sue me. I don't have any money. Um, but, um, yeah, I've hooked up with a, a few of them, a few. And it's, honestly, people were like, how'd you do that? And I'm like, it's really easy. Um and like I would it'd be sometimes it'd be me like getting a car home from Uncharlie's. Um so also my that's back when the brows weren't even that good and the face was not even that great. So they were they really were desperate, I guess. Um so I would be get I would get in the car and sometimes you can you can tell when the driver keeps looking back at you in the mirror and he's like giving you the eye in the mirror the whole way. And sometimes I'd be like, damn, he's kinda cute. Like, alright, sure. Um, and then I, but also always look at their picture on the app and then look at their face again. Cause you get a like better sense. Cause sometimes you're like in the dark and you're looking at it and you're like, Oh no, no man. Um, but that was like, I believe how the first time it happened and the guy was just like, he's like, Hey, uh, you, he just like, was like saying, I was like, Oh, I'm like, what are you up to tonight? Like, mind you, it's two in the morning. <laughs> So if an Uber driver asks you, what are you up to tonight? And it's one o'clock two, they're trying to fuck. Um, and also if you get out of the car and they s- linger around outside for like for a second as you get your stuff around, like so walking towards your house, then they're trying to get it. And I, one dude, I went back. I was like, oh, did I forget something? I was like, did I forget something? And then he was like rubbing himself. I was like, I was like, oh, I guess I did. And I was like, hold on. Um, but usually... When I did hook up my Uber drivers, I did have at least some standards. Um, I made sure they get got me home, one. And also, uh, I usually took my face off. I didn't, like, I didn't, like, very few times did I, like, hook up in drag. I always took my face off. Oh, so, really? Yeah. I Some of them I took inside the house every once in a while. Did you get a free ride? No. No. I, I, they are sex, they are sex artists because of that. <laughs> um, actually one dude, I was like, we were going and I was like, wait, are we going to hook up? And he's like, maybe. And I was like, stop the car then. And so everyone, but the thing is, you don't know that that's going to happen until you get to your house. Yeah. So like you get charged no matter what. So, um, but I was like, give me at least five stars. Like, God damn it. Like <laughs> at least give me five and a half, four and a half, something. Um, but yeah, I, I know. Yeah, <laughs> one a very few times like some like I think I might have hooked up in drag maybe like less than five times. Wow. I had always because it's something you joke about a lot, and I had yeah. always just assumed you did in drag, so I'm surprised by that part. Yeah, so yeah, that was how it worked. Um I Lyft drivers are hotter. So I do recommend if you're gonna do it, get Lyft drivers. They're they are hotter, for sure. And I I do want to say that earlier when I was saying that a cab driver is thinking to themselves, what a horrible, desperate creature about drag queens and, like, gender variants. And no way am I saying that that's what I believe. I'm saying that the straight world is full of <laughs> malice, fear, and shame. And uh-huh. sometimes that's what I was saying. Yeah. To be clear. Nikki, um, reparations. Ooh, yes. Um, so my Venmo, are you, oh, I thought, are you going to send me reparations? The government? I mean, who? <laughs> uh, I thought you were offering that you're gonna send me reparations right now. 
I mean, if I would, but then then my voice memo stops recording, and then you know, so like I'll have to like put it off, you know. Uh, we can pause. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yes. Reparations. What? So so pandemic happens. Yeah. We all, everyone freaks out. These online drag shows happen, and then there were um, police murders of black people. And yeah. protest, mass protests while also quarantines are being put in place for the virus. And you started a new show. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I can't believe I did that. Um, I started a new show. Um, I had already been doing a drag competition show, like, digitally once the uh, pandemic started. Um, a show that I started at the set called Turbo Pageant with Florida Man. And we were doing that show and then... It was like the summer of 2020 and, you know, George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor, all that stuff was still like very in our, on our screens. It was in our faces and people were protesting and I was like, I need to take a break on Turbo Pageant because it doesn't make sense to be doing a competition show. Like it doesn't make sense to be, it didn't feel good to do drag period at that time because there was so much more like important things to be doing. Like I didn't want to crack jokes about being a hoe like when people who look like me are being murdered well and finally people are like caring about it coming up it was like june was coming up and i was talking to my boyfriend about it and we were talking about juneteenth and i was like what if i did like a show on juneteenth and he was like that'd be great and i was like all right well let's see how this works and i was like all right i want to do a show on juneteenth and if you don't know what juneteenth is um it's this thing called google google it and find out what it is um, yes, um, Juneteenth is, uh, Freedom Day. It is pretty much Independence Day for Black people. It was the day that they were officially told that, uh, slavery, it was abolished. Um, and I do air quotes for slavery because the prison system is still, um, alive and working. So that is slavery. Uh, but, you know, the emancipa- emancipation was not really, that they, that was when they told slaves were free, but, you know, it took two plus years later for it to get word to people in Texas where slave masters were still using slave labor. So that was like the official last day on Juneteenth, uh, June 19th. Um, So I wanted to do a show that was like celebrating black lives and black artists and performers and just black everything. And I reached out to some of my favorite performers in the Bay Area. I reached out to some of my performer, favorite performers all over the world around the country and I put together a show I had I think maybe 12 or 13 performers half Bay Area half from everywhere else um with a little DJ and I made a little trailer that went crazy on the interwebs and it went great um that was our very first one I've done 11 shows of that since um and we raised money for you know I yell at white people to give me money to give to black artists and I guilt people and it works. White guilt is very lucrative. Um, and it's really, it's been beautiful doing that show. Like, yeah, yeah, I I love it. (laughs) Is this, is making this show the first time that you kind of like combined, I don't know, activism around race with your drag? Not, no, not really. Um, the very first time, I guess, if any, like with Hoa's Life, we did a lot of things where it was very POC centric 
And that was like our forefront of everything. We wanted to do community-based things. So we did activism for like sex artists and, you know, people of color and AFAB and, you know, so we, that wasn't, I guess the very first time I, it was. Um, and I even did a certain Hoa's Life. I did a Hoa's Life at the stud um, when I get Ho, um, which is the Solange album in its entirety where I had an all black cast. And we did that, uh, we did that album in its entirety. Um, when I get, uh, yeah, cause the album's called When I Get Home, When I Get Ho. And we did that one with an all black cast. We just pressed play and did it from start to finish. So I guess that was like the first time I ever did like an all black cast and a black show like that. Um, but reparations was like, I really wanted to do reparations because I saw everyone was out protesting and making a difference and we're in a pandemic. I have a partner who's uh, has a compromised immune system and being out in the streets really wasn't something that I felt comfortable doing. You know, going out protesting and being around all these people and like, it just didn't really feel like something I wanted to do or like could be doing that was safe and healthy. And it's scary out there too, you know? I'm Honestly, I was scared. And I wanted to do something that took my strengths as a performer and as an MC and as a nightlife personality to uplift people and also still bring some kind of humor and happiness into people's lives. Because with all this horrible shit that we see on the screens of black people and POC people and queer trans women and men and people just being murdered, we need some kind of like break from that. And I thought this would be something I can yell at you and give you like little TED talks about black lives and black artists and put these people on your screens and also entertain at the same time. Yeah. And that's what it does for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to hear that it is working money wise for folks. Yeah. I mean, it's been doing really well. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm happy that I can be able to pay people well because digital drag does is not, a lucrative sport at all it, sport it's pretty much a sport yeah. yeah um it's it's not lucrative as much i mean as you know live gigs were especially um because you don't really guarantee a cover from people coming in and you can't really guarantee the tips and things like that because everyone's struggling right now so it's really it's rough and i'm i've been happy that i've been able to pay everyone and give them good money and um you know when that stimulus checks hit, I'm like, hey, white people, give me the money. If you posted a black square on your Instagram, pay the cover twice. Um, Do you want to continue with reparations after the pandemic? Oh, totally. Um, I mean, honestly, I I definitely want to continue with it in all aspects. Right now, I do reparations every third Friday on the Stud's Twitch account, twitch.tv slash studsf. Um, so you can find it there for the time being. Um, and every, honestly, every time I think about bringing it into real life, I always imagine it at the stud and then I have to remind myself that that's not happening at this moment. So, uh, but I do plan on bringing it like back. Um, I'm in talks with certain venues and possibly about using their spaces for making reparations a reality in real life. Um, but no, I totally want to do it. I... I've even thought about taking it on the road, um, doing some one-offs. Um, I've talked to some people in Chicago where I'm definitely going to take it to Chicago for a night. I'm going to take it to LA 
Um, but this is all once things have calmed down and, you know, the world is a little bit safer to travel. But I plan on traveling with it. I plan on making it a staple within the city. Um, and I also plan on continuing to stream it um, to make it accessible to, for everyone uh, who wants to watch it. I'm so excited for that, for all of that. Yeah. And also, like, it's nice. Like, when I remember when you came out with the name Reparations, I was like, oh, okay, she named it Reparations. And But it goes, I mean, like, if we look at, like, <laughs> Nikki Jizz. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is life. Reparations. Like, you definitely put it up front, like, what what you're talking about. Um, yeah, it's really funny. Um, I originally was going to call it In Living Color. Originally, it was going to be called In Living Color, and I was going to do do it as, so like... cute. Yeah. Um, because that was, like, I, that was kind of the... St I mean, if you look at the imagery that I do for Reparations, very, like, throwback 90s, like, kind of uh, style. And I wanted, I was going to call it In Living Color, but then I found out um, there's a party called In Living Color in New York, which is run by, like, black trans women. And I was like, oh, shit, I can't fucking take that one. And I was, like, debating. I was like, I don't know what name to go with. And then... Uh, I was like, what do I say? And when I used to host uh, Faking Gay at the stud, I used to yell at the fucking white gays of like, y'all better give me some reparations. Pay me out reparations. And I yelled at that so many times. I was like, oh, wait, let me just call it reparations. Uh, and because that's really what this is all about. It's like, it's about getting the, redistributing the wealth. Give me your money. Give it back to these like black artists who are struggling and you know, only get booked for Beyonce nights or Nicki Minaj nights or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I, I plan on making it into a real life thing and continue with it. I have dreams of making a Juneteenth fest where it's like maybe a, a one day or two day festival in real life where we actually have performances like over a two day thing. It's a block party. Um, with drag performances from performers all, all over. Do you see yourself in San Francisco for the long haul? I get, yeah, I, I, at the moment, I will say yes. Um, oh. I can't imagine, um, I can't see myself moving anywhere else. I've thought about it. I mean, I think I thought about moving back to LA, but then I'm like, when I lived in LA, I was a completely different person and I didn't live on my own. I like still lived at my mom's house. So like, I never lived in LA as an adult on my own. So like, this has been the place where I've become as an adult and I don't want to have to move somewhere and start all over, you know? Like, yeah. that's, like, really hard to, like, try to even think about doing that. Um, I mean, I've thought about other places. Like, I've thought about, like, Chicago and things like that. But also, I'm like, I don't want to deal with the fucking cold. Like, yeah. I, I don't like wearing clothes when I'm out in drag. Like, I got to fucking wear a fucking North Face jacket, like, at, to the club. Like, goddamn. Um, but no, I want to stay in the Bay. I'm going to stay here. Um... I'm just, yeah, I'm going to be here for a while. Um, and once Juanita dies, I'll take over. And then, yeah. I don't know if you all heard that, but M Nikki Jizz <laughs> just put out, Nikki Jizz just put out a hit on Juanita Moore. I didn't say, I didn't say, I said when. I didn't say, like, on, I didn't give a date. Um, but no, she I mean, will <laughs> never die. Oh, my God. And well, now that you said that, she will be like, no. You watch. Yeah, I exactly. I mean, she's um, been a very big inspiration to me. Like, I remember the first time I ever saw her perform at the stud, and I was like, oh, wow. And I'm like, this bitch just, she does everything. And, like, people think, like, oh, what do you want to do with your drag? And I'm like, 
I'm like, oh, like, you know, everyone thinks about Drag Race or Dragula or whatever. And, yeah, that might be, a, you know, something I might do in the future. But, like, my dream is really just to be, like, the queen of my city. I want to, like, be my the queen of my city. I want to be a staple here. I want to give back as much as I can to the place that gave me so much. You are on your way, honey. No, I'm trying. Um, we're kind of at the end here, but I want to, like... Uh... I want to do some hot takes with you because this is supposed to be a stud history podcast. So I just want to get your hot takes on a few of the celebrities who have performed at the stud. Are you ready? Yeah, of course. Okay. Hot take on Etta James. Uh, She's gorgeous. She's beautiful. Um, And Beyonce should not have acted as her in that movie. And I'm a Beyonce Beyonce fan, so that says a lot. Hot take on Lady Gaga. Um, Born This Way is overrated. Um, it's just, it's just too gay. It's really bad. Um, she, she's got some good stuff here and there. I like Lady Gaga. I like Replay. I like that song. Um, yeah. Um, she's a little weird for me, honestly. I don't know. But I like her. Yeah. Okay, I can, your I like her (laughs) says a lot. (laughs) Okay, hot take on Sylvester. Uh, icon, I live, I love forever and ever. Um, yeah, forever. Okay. Hot take on Bjork. Um, I love Bjork. I have a picture of Bjork in my bathroom, so I see her every day when I go poop. So it's very, uh, it feels good. Uh, actually, Bjork was the very first number I, my very first number that I performed at uh, the Mother Show. Um, it was Bjork night, and I did a Bjork number, and it was horrible. <laughs> Why was it horrible? Uh, just, I sent in the wrong version of the song, so it was a shorter version of it. So, like, I was waiting for this one thing so I can do this big reveal. And then it just, like, came out of nowhere. I was like, oh, it's not supposed to happen yet. So, yeah, it, it went bad, but it was okay. It's fine. <laughs> um, okay, hot take on Dita Von Teese. Is she canceled? Okay. Oh, no. God, that's fine. Okay, then that's enough. <laughs> Wait. No, sorry, I was thinking of Kat Von D. She's the canceled one. Oh, yeah, Kat Von D is canceled, but just the question of, is she canceled, is fine. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. She might be. <laughs> uh, okay, hot take on Kirsten Dunst. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's a hot take. I feel like it's lukewarm. Sure. It's like a lukewarm, because um, where is she at now? Um, you know, what is she doing? I, honestly, she was iconic in Jumanji. I love her in Jumanji. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and our last one is hot take on Lizzo. I love Lizzo. Um, she's fucking amazing and beautiful. Um, I nearly busted my knees performing Lizzo tempo um, all of like two summers ago because I was like doing knee drops and ass drops like every fucking second for that song. Um, you were doing I, knee drops. Yeah, that's where I just jump in the air and land on my knees. I. Honestly, I I found a video of me doing that recently, and I was like, I literally felt a, a ting in my leg. I was like, ooh. I was like, bitch, don't do that. It's not good for you. No, it's not good at all. Okay, Nikki, this is, we're at the end of our recording. Um, yeah. I, I want to, where can people find you on the internet? Um, okay, so you can find me on Pornhub.com slash Nikki Jizz. I'm just kidding, no. Uh, but maybe, you never know. Not uh, yet. Not yet. Um, you can find me on Instagram. It is Nikki, spelled like Minaj. 
So N-I-C-K-I, jizz like semen. You can find me, uh, oh yeah, my Instagram handle is Nikki underscore jizz. You can find me on Twitter as Nikki Jizz. You can find me on TikTok as Nikki Jizz. I'm all over the place. Um, what about Venmo? What if we want to pay you tips and reparations? Oh, well, my Venmo and Cash App is Nikki Jizz as well. It is all Nikki Jizz. Send me all of it. Um, I will take coins every single day. Um, and by doing that, you are supporting a black artist who is trying to make a difference and change within our community. And also, if you don't send me money, you're racist. Great. And then yeah. also, coming up, there's a few things to tease. We have Rolling, oh, with, yeah. the homie, rolling with the Homies first. Yes. Ro- rolling with the Homies? Yeah. <laughs> it's <Almost>. Rolling with... <laughs> <laughs> Well, rolling. That, that means that means the marketing worked, right? Exactly, exactly. Rolling with the homos. So I, um, so one of one of my mini projects that I do, I have like three different parties now. Um, I have Turbo Passion that I do every other Tuesday on Sud's Twitch account. Reparations every third Friday, and then with Mama Celeste, I do Rolling with the Homos, which is a drag um, a skate event uh, where we just meet up at. Uh, Township Commons in Oakland and we skate around and there's like a grassy area so people who don't skate can have fun and sit back but on top of that we also have drag performances on skates so if you thought you know drag wasn't already dangerous enough we put them on skates and they perform for you right there and it's really beautiful and fun we do that one every fourth Sunday we have one coming up uh, in two weeks and uh, or a week or so and I'm really fucking excited. Um, it's really fun. It's all outdoors, socially distanced, mask for mask, honey. Mask for mask. Um, yeah, doing skate stuff is dangerous, but it's fun. <laughs> and then there's something very secret that nobody knows about yet. Ooh. Um, which is uh, that you and I <gasps> are doing something. I'm... I think we should only just, I don't know, you tell me, but I was just going to say, you and I are doing something very special on Pride Sunday that we know that. Yes. That's um, all I want to say about it. Yeah, that's all I want to say. Um, uh, yeah, uh, we have some things in the works. Please stay tuned. Have your wallets ready. Yes. Get ready. Uh, we're going to give you something really special. I'm really fucking excited. <laughs> if you like Nikki Just the Ho and her dry ass Uncle Bibby, <laughs> get ready for Pride because you're going to get <laughs> yeah. some wet and dry bullshit. <laughs> you're going to get some contrast. You're going to get some high contrast this Pride. You're going to get some <laughs> texture, honey. Texture. <laughs> Oh, don't, so talk about my, don't talk about my face like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, honey, somebody's got to talk about it. Oh, my God. I mean, if you want to talk about texture, we could pull up some old eyebrow pics of you. Oh, my God, no, <laughs> baby. You know what? Honestly, the one thing you got to realize, bullying, like, people say, like, oh, bullying is so horrible. But honestly, I was bullied by my friends about my eyebrows, and it worked. I, my eyebrows got better. So I appreciate my friends for bullying me and making fun of me um, because I slowly got better at it. So, you know, bully your friends into being better drag performers. I mean, or also, (laughs) sure. (laughs) Or or you can teach them and watch a tutorial. Yeah, but also if you think your friends are bullying you and they're being like, you could do better. I mean. (laughs) But bitch, they were right. They said I, I could do better. And I did. I mean, 
I don't know. When I was getting bullied as a child, it was like, die, you faggot. And now someone's like, I think you could do better. I'm like, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, every once in a while, I tell, every once in a while, I'm like, you know what, bitch? How about you just, no, I'm just kidding, no. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm always open for suggestions and critique because I think we can all always get better. And if we could just help each other out, it's so much nicer than realizing it later in an Instagram post. Oh, yeah, totally. Just, like, give me the feedback. Let me know. Like, girl, how you let me leave the house looking like that? Yeah, like, do are you my friend or not? Yeah. I mean, I was shocked that I got booked at all. But I was like, you know what? The thing is, I moved around so fast that you didn't get a chance to see the brows. So you that was the whole thing. You moved around. If you keep moving and dancing and shaking around, no one gets a chance to see your makeup. So you just got to keep moving. Shake the head. When you started, you definitely did that new queen thing of you never fucking stopped. You were on... <laughs> It was like the Tasmanian devil. Oh would, my god! Like, I mean, fortunately, you were good at that. A lot of the drag queens when they start just move all the time, and you're like, "Are you? Lo- did you lose your? Did you lose change? Are you looking for your contact?" Meanwhile, like you're doing kicks and yeah. shit. And it was that one straight wig, that one straight blonde wig that I wore nonstop until literally she was balding. Never forget. Oh my god. Nikki, I adore you. Um, everyone should check out your show, Reparations. Everyone should check out your Venmo and send you some dollars. And not just dollars, send send Nikki some love. Like, you could also send, like, little hellos and highs. You could send um, your private number so you could get some dick pics and butt pics. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm just blessed. I'm blessed to call you a friend and have you a part of the stud family. Oh my god. I love you guys so much. Thank you so uh, It's... The set is my, okay, I'm going to try not to cry again, but I love you guys so much. It, You guys mean the world to me. Um, and it really means a lot to be a part of this podcast and just talk and going through memories. I'm probably going to cry some more after this. And, um, you know, the stud is not a phase. Stud is life. And it lives on with me and each and every one of us that we've, who've ever stepped inside that building or whatever buildings that you've ever been. And it's, Really beautiful, and I love you guys so much. Oh, also, go buy me and Vivi's new t-shirt on the Stud SF uh, website. There's a picture of me and Vivi uh, that we have, that uh, Stud Pin Archives and Queer uh, Lady Bushlove. Queer Powers. Queer Powers. um, Have put together, and it's a really cool shirt. Um, Get it before they disappear. Um, They're really fucking awesome. Um, I haven't even got mine yet. <laughs> I think it's at my house. Also, you get your shirt, so you have it ready for whatever it is that we happen to be doing on Pride. Yeah, because if you get that shirt and you wear it to me and Nikki's Pride, you know you're a special attention. Exactly. And you get, uh, it's the open bar for you. Um, and also, mm, uh, uh, sure. and lies. <laughs> yeah. It's an open bar, and which is full of lies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh Which, my like my, my hair, is full of lies. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, love you. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye. That was Nikki Jizz, and I've been your host, Vivian Forevermore, or Micah Sigourney. For more on the stud, just visit our website. That's studsf.com, studsf.com. There you can find a link to our Patreon, where you can get early drops of this very podcast as well as click-throughs to our merch, our world-famous merch that is selling out and clothing queers all over the world. Stud Stories is produced and edited by Tara Haywood. Way to go, Tara. Music is by Paige Turner, and I have been your host. Please subscribe and comment and listen. Please listen, subscribe, and comment. Listen, subscribe, listen, subscribe, listen, subscribe, and comment.